for the three people in Sydney who haven't heard already, there are two films in this year's Sydney Film Festival by young local filmmakers, and you actually produced both of them. They are Suburban Wildlife and Sequin in a Blue Room. We're here with Sophie Hatch. Can you tell us what these films are about? Hello, yes. Uh, So both of them are kind of of coming-of-age films set at very different times in uh, a young person's life. So Suburban Wildlife is the story of four friends uh, after they graduate uni and they're kind of at the crossroads of what they're going to do with this next chapter of their lives. And Sequin in a Blue Room is about a 16-year-old boy uh, who's kind of coming of age in the world of dating apps and what that means kind of as a young queer person. It makes me think, I, I like that you use the word crossroads because that makes me think of another quintessential coming-of-age movie by with Britney Spears starring in it, Crossroads. Are there any similarities uh, between Suburban Wildlife and Crossroads? Um, we don't have a karaoke scene um, singing I Love Rock and Roll, unfortunately. <laughs> Seriously. Um, We want to know, what's it like making a film about gay sex? That's We're going to go straight straight to it. Straight into it. Sequin in a Blue Room. Oh, both of them have gay sex in them. They do, yeah. Yeah. Let's start with Sequin. Let's start with Sequin in a Blue Room. But specifically going into that, what what was prep like for that? Yeah, um... Uh, for Sam, the director, it was a matter of having like lots of rehearsal time, getting the actors really comfortable with each other. And then on set, it was like 100% closed sets, you know, making sure that everyone's okay at all times um, and just like being really aware, especially because, you know, some of the sex scenes are quite intense in Sequin in a Blue Room. So it's kind of just like always having that awareness that you're not just messing around. What were some of those conversations like for a first feature? Because you obviously want to make a splash. Yeah, that's true. I think there was definitely never a question of it being unsimulated. It was always going to be, you know, 100% acting. Um, And I guess, yeah, like the primary thing for us was just making sure that everyone was comfortable um, in the scenes and, and really mapping it out down to like the most specific things about what would be shown, where hands would be, where body parts would be. So why should people go and see Sequin in a Blue Room and Suburban Wildlife? It's both directors' first features and you can tell in like the best way in that, you know, we've come from this film school world of seeing all this stuff that's come before us and kind of wanting to do something different and... Um, make a splash, like you said. So I think they're really unique, um, especially in the Australian landscape. They're kind of, I don't think we've seen anything quite like either of them before. Um, But at the same time, I think they're really impressive. I think if you think about the budget and the experience of the crew, watching it is kind of amazing to see like what we pulled off Mm. for what we had. I have a quote here that I wrote myself. (laughs) Uh, Sophie Hatch, Canberran filmmaker, Mm. first time... Canberra Filmmaker had two debut features in the Sydney Film Festival. Can we use that as a quote? We can absolutely use that. Can we vouch for that? We can vouch for that. Um, <laughs> no so- one ever brings up Canberra and that's like such a... Well, well Andre we would too. <laughs> and you also have a cameo by a bunch of Canberrans in mm. Suburban. Well, I just think like, you know, I mean, what's more Suburban Wildlife than Grampy Canberra? Hey, am I right? Absolutely. <laughs> Also, though, I will say there's a lot of Sydney cameos in these films, which Mm. is pretty exciting. I did spy, and I didn't realise I was going to spy it when I was watching Sequin yesterday, uh, Nancy Dennis in a Puff and Play party. Yes. And she's a friend of... Is that what taking meth is? Puff and Play? Puff and Play. And (laughs) she's a friend of the pod. She's actually done a review on Movies, Movies, Movies before. So shout out to Nancy Dennis making a cameo. And also... 
this is less of a question and more of a brag, but we both make cameos in Suburban. True. Totally, yeah. That's you, a reason to go see the film. I was going to say, <laughs> come along because you'll never know who you'll see on screen. Like, the Sydney kind of artistic community is quite small, so, mm. like, you may see someone familiar. How would you say Animal Kingdom influenced both the films? <laughs> um... I haven't seen Animal Kingdom in a long time. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. I think I think maybe the intensity is there in Sequin, but other than that, I don't know if there's much of a uh, relationship. How, how would you say Eight Mile influenced the film? <laughs> Only that I listen to Lose Yourself every morning to like psych up. Okay, good answer. <laughs> Great answer. Um, we like to pepper interviews with questions about fake influence. Yeah. <laughs> if we can bring Brittany Murphy into every interview, I will. Oh, you know what I mean? Uptown Girl, great movie. Oh, I should watch that. Actually, I've never nanny. seen it either. Um, I don't know because you sent me a work in progress, so I don't know if the title still remains this, but in a very Gregoraki fashion, um, Secret in a Blue Room opens with a homosexual film by Samuel Van Grinson. Yeah. Um, did I pronounce his last name right? I'm so sorry Van if Grinsman, I didn't. Yeah. Grinsman. It's Dutch. I mean, it's of Grinsman, I think. Of Grinsman. And yeah. what is Grinsman? Is it a town? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, which is so bold mm. and obviously speaks to Gregoraki. Like, was Gregoraki something that you guys talked about a lot when making this film? Totally, yeah. Um, I Sam's definitely, like, the queer film expert because he literally did his master's degree on it. Um, but he, yeah, that was always his one of his references. And I never quite got it. I was like, why does it say a homosexual film by? And then he showed me um, a clip of whichever film it is that it's from. I can't remember. Um, and that, yeah, that remains in the final cut. It always gets a little giggle as well. Like we had a cast and crew screening and people are just like, ha, ha, ha. Because mm. I don't know if they get it. And it's like a very bold thing to open with. But mm. I think it's kind of great. Totally. Um, you just watched Sequin. Have you got any thoughts? That you wanted to delve down into sequin? Yeah, about how much it just kind of puts shame to shame. Like, I remember, yeah. watching, <laughs> I remember watching Shame years ago and kind of just being like, oh, God, another, po- like, poetic, uh, expensive movie about se- being sex negative. Mm. And uh, uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if sequin is in conversation with Shame by Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, Steve yeah. McQueen. But I guess it just kind of felt like, it felt like a bold, uh, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? A bold rebuttal to shame, which I liked because I love me, a queer person, kind of putting a horrible straight film into place. Mm, that's, that's really try, interesting. That's trying to tackle a gay theme. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know shame. I think uh, it was shame was always brought up in relation, like in the stages of development, um, by other people. And I think you know Sam, he likes that movie, and I think tonally there's a lot of similarities, um, and certainly like a lot of the cinematography, but. Um, it was always like, this isn't shame. This is not that film. Um, yeah, sure, there's like some things that we're drawing from, but it is, I never thought of it as like a direct rebuttal, but that's really interesting. I guess in Shame at the end, for those who haven't seen it, there's a scene where he reaches the end of his tether and he just needs to have sex so bad. So he goes to a gay club and it's this like horribly traumatic sequence, which is super, super homophobic and problematic in my mm-hmm. opinion. And I felt like Sequin kind of did the opposite in that first sequence in the blue I wouldn't room. I it was traumatic. It was more like it, it, it posited his descent into going into a gay cruising bar as like the last straw mm. of his addiction. His like, rock bottom. Really? Yeah. That's your rock bottom? Is that you like are going to fuck a guy? Yeah. And it's also like... Just watch some porn. I'm like, God, <laughs> that's something that, that we were in conversation with where we were like, God, if... if more straight guys like had sex with gay guys who love having sex with straight guys hi james charles maybe the world would be a better place like Mm -hmm. if we just took the stigma away people with those urges just like 
put it where it's wanted. Yeah. Maybe that's actually like a kind of chill thing. And then there are a lot of straight guys who go to cruising places that I mean, we've met. Last and night like, you were talking about how you were crotch grabbed by a straight presenting man, and you kind of and that was like something that he was like embracing, and it's like. Oh, I don't know if he was embracing. It was actually kind of fucked up. Really? It's, it's the same as, like, I go to a lot of um, clubs. No, I don't go to a lot of clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I go to a lot of clubs. I go to Who a, says that? I go to a lot of clubs. <laughs> no, but, like, but recently, every time I've gone to, like, a queer party, mm. um, I've had actually a lot of straight women grope me. Like, if I'm dressed femme or if I'm in, like, revealing clothing or something, they'll just, like, stick their fingers in my ass and, like, grab my dick. And it's like, okay, I know that we're in this sort of culture of you being an ally, but that's still fucked like yeah it's like this fucked up thing i think with that particular scenario of being you're gay i'm straight therefore there's no you know like potential of actual sexual engagement therefore i can just do this and it's fine and it's funny because it's not like actually you know malicious but it's like that's just still not okay like consent is is still applicable that's why i think i like sequin because i think it doesn't it doesn't cut back from the negative ramifications of being a reckless teenager having sex with strangers mm. but it also doesn't shame the person the people for doing that for having the desire having the desire because you shouldn't be made fun of or be put down for oh my god i'm sounding so boring i can just hear what i'm saying right now <laughs> so boring but it's i think it's i think the truly ra- radical thing that's happening in sequin is that it's showing people doing questionable sexual things and not being embarrassed about it yeah. and then at the end of it just being like you know what i'm still normal and i'm still just gonna go on with my day yeah i think that was the thing i really liked as well is that the film is really not about coming out at all like it's very much just about okay yeah so he's gay great now let's move on to the story um and i particularly love like the interactions with his dad you know like that the, his dad is fully aware that he's out being sexually active and like it's not an issue he's just concerned like any dad would be you know about his safety and all that kind of stuff um but it's like the film is essentially saying that yeah he's he's 16 so he's like you know the age of consent and he's out having sex and that is fine like and he's making some bad decisions like we all do when Mm -hmm. we are dating no matter how old we are um but the actual act of like him just going out and hookups with you know men of different ages and stuff Mm -hmm. most of the time it's consensual and it's fine like it's just what he's doing and there's no shame in him being sexually active like that and sometimes it's so liberating to just have sex with older men and not people that you know that like there's all these other strings attached which i thought was cool in the film and then there was also the the dark side of it, which mm. I experienced, like I got stalked when I was underage by mm. a guy that I met online and then like went out to his car and was like, oh, it's not me. And he's like, obviously it's you. And then stalked <sighs> me for ages. So I related to that in the yeah. film. But I wondered like, were there the things that like, obviously you're not a gay man. Mm. Were there things that spoke to you about like, and were there conversations that you had with Samuel? Yeah, totally. And that was um, something that, yeah, Sam and I always spoke about is that obviously I can't identify with the surface level kind of like, I'm just not a 16 year old gay guy I'm just not but the the idea of like a young love you know essentially he's he's very naive um you know I was a late bloomer when it comes to dating and romance and so I felt like when you are kind of dating lots of people and you meet someone and you're like oh my god I'm in love with them I'm obsessed with them and you have this really kind of innocent naive idea that that you know, they're your person and you need to like seek that out. Mm -hmm. And I really related with that because it's just, I think we've all been there. We all get that feeling, you know, but like 
you're young and you don't know any better and you it's if it's the first time you've felt something like that you know in the film he goes on a crazy kind of mission to track this guy down who he just met at a party essentially um you know I haven't done anything quite that intense but certainly the feelings of being like Mm. no but like that was special you know Mm -hmm. yeah um and then having you know the realization that just because you believe that and you feel it so strongly doesn't mean it's actually true, you know? And I think I really identified with that for sure. I feel like my takeaway from Sequin is that young kids don't know how to do better, but they don't know how to also do best, but they'll still do whatever they want to do. So there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong, quote-unquote wrong, with what's happening in Sequin, but the way that it's being done isn't the best way to do it, I Mm -hmm. think. Mm. I think that's where the shift from... That's where, like, the, the... the accept the acceptance shift is coming in where it's like no longer this idea that oh yeah every person goes through the reckless phase it's that everyone goes through a phase and we're now becoming better at going through those phases cautiously and less dangerously and less naively yeah totally and it definitely speaks to like god i don't want to sound like an ancient person but like sort of our age group like early 20s more more so than younger people i think younger people are just smarter now and know not to, like, just rely on apps and rely on Facebook. Like, mm. no one's on Facebook or Twitter anymore. Like, I think we're really stuck with the sickness and having to deal with the addictive qualities and the serotonin impulses and, like, just, like, the constant scrolling. Oh, completely. I think I think young kids live in, like, a post-porn world where there's so much... There's actual real sexual freedom where yeah. they can say, we're not going to go on apps because we don't need to, like... That's get, sad. We don't need to, like, find these, like, secret online avenues. We just know how to have better productive conversations and experiences is my stereotypical view (laughs) okay can i ask a kind of hard question oh yeah so first debut like debut feature Mm. and you know that's a talking point Mm. what are the things you're most not scared of but what are some of the things that you're anticipating people say as critique of both films yeah Um, both or do one at a time yeah i think is that a fucked up question to no, ask? No, definitely not. Because it's like no, because people aren't people are humble. Yeah, <laughs> people yeah. can like critique their own films. Yeah. Also, like you're filled with anxiety going into well, exactly. A like, so what are it's you like, anxi- what are your yeah. negative thoughts that when you spiral? Yeah, like- I think I'm less nervous about Suburban only because it's already screened um, in the US, so it doesn't feel as much like a first time the world is seeing it. But it is kind of the first time in Sydney, which it is, is kind of what it's about, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know I. I always worry about um, critiques that maybe would relate to my role, which are obviously to do with money and production values, you know. Like, I think the film's great, but obviously if someone's, you know, quite elite or something and they're watching it and they're thinking that it doesn't look like the most polished film ever or something, you know, I... Although I don't care, I oh God, worry that I know, right? Who who wants to watch mm. a polished film? But I'm like, maybe that's what something people would say. Interesting. Um, but other than that, like, I, I think, I, yeah, I don't worry too much about suburban. But sequin, I think, I definitely worry. You know, like there was such like shocking, um, you know, almost subliminal homophobia that we encountered in the early in pre-production, like really low-key stuff. But Can like, you, you know. Oh, specifics? like, we would ask actors if they wanted to be a part of it and they'd go, oh, but I'm straight. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Well, serves them right because they're in Sydney Film Festival. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly right. It was just that as a rebuttal really shocked me because it was, like, inherently they were not comfortable, um, which is fine that they're not comfortable, but as an excuse, I thought, oh, but it doesn't actually, your sexuality doesn't actually matter coming into, you know, playing a role necessarily. But that was, a lot of people were kind of, 
almost disgusted that I had even asked. Like, oh, God, no, I'm straight. I would never do that. Do you think they're thing. disgusted or they were, like, tuned into conversations about representation and, like, mm, uncollectible about... Give it to a gay person. Yeah, yeah person. It, could, it could be that. Yeah, that's actually a... You can probably good... tell, you know, yeah. you can probably tell if the energy is more disgust and terror or yeah. them being, like, aware. But a question I want to ask, is it, sorry to cut you off, but are there many people who are humble enough to be like, I want to give this role to someone else, even though I really want yeah. to be in this film? No. <laughs> no. No. Oh no, one, um, no one said that at all. No. <laughs> but I think... Um, yeah, I mean, that was just that's just one small example that we were just shocked. We never expected that that would be a response. Um, mm-hmm. But we're like, oh, okay. And then there was, I mean, there was a number of other things um, which I won't share. But, Can you, though? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Someone uh, wanted to donate to our crowdfunding campaign because they were a, a friend and supporter, uh, but instead wrote a letter saying that they weren't going to donate because of, God, mm. and they could never support a film um, that was about uh, a gay sex party. Yeah. Um, wrote that, hand wrote that letter, and then put cash in the envelope and said, But I still want to support you, but please don't spend this money on the film. The effect of that story is something that kind of is what the film's about. It's about, mm. you know, transgression and how transgression turns into a film mm. and how transgression turns into. Something beautiful and positive. Um, Let's, can we talk about can we talk about suburban wildlife real quick? Because yes. I wanted to spring off your question about criticism. Yeah, the film deals with ennui, which is notoriously an old person's nightmare to watch a film about. Deals with what? On like ennui, like um, oh. teenage boredom. Yes, and, like, sorry. Yeah, you know, I heard Henri, and I was like, "Who's Henri?" Henri, <laughs> just you know, like um, the like <laughs> lack of motivation. Man? You know, chilling yeah. out, to being vague, and being a teenager, which a lot mm. of teenage films are about because it's the reality of being a teen. But how do you make ennui interesting in a film? Mm. I think it's the actors. A huge part of it is the actors. Like, we just had really energetic people, you know, that were just brought such a vibrancy to the roles. Um, and on, like, on a very granular level, I think it's the music um, and the editing. I think that those things, you know, like, you know, there's obviously the one way of cutting a scene like that that's kind of about just this airy fairy you know um kind of vibe and it's just like one long take you know that is one way to do it or we can do it the way we did it which is more montage with really beautiful music um and really like charismatic talented actors and I think that is probably and I think also just having a director like Imogen who just like knows their shit I don't know if I can swear sorry mm. um she she knows her shit she's seen a lot of films and and has a lot of great references to bring from, and but also has a really, really good vision. Um, and that's a, about both directors, actually. Like, they are so steadfast in their vision and what they want and need, not to the point of being tyrants. Like, you know, mm. if I told them that something couldn't happen and I really put my foot down, then obviously they would listen. But they both just, maybe internally they did, but externally never wavered and knew exactly what they wanted and what they needed to get and, and what it would mean for the film. What's the um, difference post. specifically in both of their processes? Um, or not different, rather than describe the difference, like what's Imogen's process, what's Samuel's process, I yeah, guess? Yeah, um, well, I mean, Imogen was, it was quite a while ago, but um, I think they're very, it's hard to compare only because the vibes on set uh, are very, were often different just because of the content we were shooting. Mm-hmm. Suburban was quite fun and family kind of vibe on set and sequin was 
kind of hyper-professional um, and, and very dark, yeah. So there's not a lot of laughing happening. Like, you know, we still had fun, but it is it was a very different mindset going in. Um, why did I just get excited thinking about it? I know, dark, me too. I don't know why. Like, I, like, <laughs> I suddenly got Join chills. Me. I was like, that's yeah. exactly where I don't want to be. But that it's also like makes a, total sense as well. I, know. I mean, the film is tackling some dark issues. There's totally. just something about like being the summer-hating person that I am. Really? <laughs> <that, like, laughs> and the film's like mostly at night, so it's like a lot of blacked-out windows. And it was also exciting because like, I guess so much of Sequin was happening in a studio and you'd see sort of people running around like you'd see like Will Tran like running around with costumes looking very serious being like okay we're gonna get this done yeah. get this. it was so funny being like having Anthony Brandon Wong who's like this amazing actor who's just been on stage with STC and he's in the Matrix and he's like in our dressing rooms at afters where we've all just like hung out in the past and it Wait, was just who like who is he in the Matrix? Um, I don't know the character name google it you'll okay. see his face oh my god obsessed <laughs> and he's on the family law like he's just like a uh, yeah, amazing. He's amazing. And then he's just sitting in the mezzanine where we used to eat lunch during our course. And it was kind of like, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I used to eat lunch when I wasn't making films. <laughs> he had some amazing <laughs> scenes as well, I think, of the film. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. I think that... Um, I think there's so much... Like, there's definitely soft hands in sequin. And there's definitely a lot of... Um, care and nuance in terms of... It feels so personal and specific in the different levels of very like gay experience yeah but different people that you come in contact with when you're young and 16 like Mm. figuring out and like blasting your way through that maybe if you're an older person you would steer clear of certain interactions or people wouldn't be as generous to you yeah as they are in that film Mm. i don't know what my question is no sorry i I think think what you're saying is that you know it takes a young it takes a young crew to make this kind of film Totally. Because no older generation person would be able to tap into the the programming that they have been through and they've been taught to, to believe. Oh my god, we were like, talking about, what was your what was about, your thing that what was your essay you wanted to do the other day about old male directors? Oh, neon clit when <laughs> when male directors direct female party scenes. And then mine was oh. a soft skin when old male directors direct young romance. Uh. Yeah, exactly. and that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, But that even applies to progressive older filmmakers. Like, when you look at Gus Van Sant and Sevilla Coppola, they're, I mean, they're conservative in their own right, and we have to have enough media-savvy literacy to be able to say, and hey, it, if you're above 50, you just don't have the experience of what it's like to be a person. And dare I say dare I say and I hope I don't get completely dragged but I would say these films Suburban and Sequin are kind of conservative like they do resolve themselves it's true they follow a certain structure like they are there's like something a bit canon about them Mm. they're not like completely breaking all the rules you know what I mean um, yeah. Was that something you guys talked about and like workshopped and made sure that there like was resolution and they were you guys satisfying? Could have shown some dick in sequence. Well, yeah. there was no dick in sequence. I know. I would have loved to have and seen no one ate any shit. Like, this is not John Waters' territory. You know but same for Imogen. I mean, like you know, so, I mean, sometimes you gotta really, you gotta go there if you want to go there. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, it wasn't so much a conversation of being like, do we hold back or do we, you know, try and make sure that they have very nice bows on them at the end. Um, uh-huh. I think that it like both writers so um suburban's obviously written by imogen and b um and then sequence written by sam and then uh jory went to uh afi in la so like everyone is trained everyone has done a film degree so i think there's probably a certain degree of understanding how story um works i'm doing um air quotes there but which I don't think is a bad thing because at the end of the day, as much as, you know, we want to make the films that we want to make, we also want them to be seen by people. And so um, 
the you know nudity in sequin wasn't really a conversation but uh, but after in post we were kind of thinking i wonder what rating we would get like because mm. there's nothing like full frontal but you see yeah. people's backsides like you know i wonder what that would be um but we didn't hold back on purpose or anything is that like for film festivals do you have to get classification no so film festivals um it just they depending on the festival they usually just have it be 18 plus if it's not yeah. rated i think suburban is 15 plus because I don't think it quite needs to be 18 plus. Um, unless you're submitting to the Dark Eye Film Festival, <laughs> which strictly has no, or no relationships between same-sex people. Well, unless you're in Russia and it's Rocketman. Do you hear they cut five minutes out of Rocketman in Russia? Really? Yeah, but the fact that it's screened in Russia I know, is that's baffling interesting. to me. Because it's like you can cut five minutes out, but he's still Elton John. It's also like my Russians have my... access to internet. It's like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, they're going to find those five minutes. Elton John should just my... release the five minutes yeah. and put them on YouTube. My favorite, my favorite story is Bohemian Rhapsody had five minutes censored from it when it premiered in China of the queer content in that film, which is baffling to me that is there's there only five any? that there's five minutes of queer content in Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> oh, it's kind of, it's oh. like, um, yeah, well, especially because thinking about Shame and Gregoraki, two filmmakers who go there, I think, nudity, you know, unconventional filmmaking, and like really push the boundaries. Um, is that something that was brought up in the? Where you, I, I love the term you use about getting a nice bow and tying it together. Because yeah. <laughs> I get it, you know. You want to make a film. You don't want to go die. You also want to push some buttons. Yeah, but not too many. No one wants to be Terrence Malick because he's old as fuck and doesn't use the internet. But also, you know, yeah, do what you want to do. It is that balance, I think, because it's like we're not, especially when it's your first feature. It's like you don't have any backing to for people to go like the Terrence Malicks of the world, where it's like he could make something that's kind of garbage, but it's like well, it's Terrence Malick, so like it'll get into Cannes. It's fine, but we're like, no, we've actually got to prove ourselves. So. You know, we obviously want to make a splash, but also we don't want people watching it going, ugh, that was an artistic mess, you know? Isn't it sad that, like, it's, uh, yeah. it's so tough for younger people to prove their worth? It, I think especially mm. in film, because there's so many preconceived notions of what film should be. But there's also so many gatekeepers or imagined gatekeepers that I think people have going to films. We did a series this time last year of Sydney Film Festival where we talked about dangerous filmmaking and mm. what it means to make a dangerous film. And it was really interesting talking to, like, a bunch of people. Like, we talked to Soda Joke, we talked to Hyun Lee, we talked to, like... And it was all about censorship. And most people, like, we don't actually encounter censorship, mm. but we do self-censor a lot. Yeah. Based on these imagined preconceptions of what an audience can take, of what a censorship board might say. But actually, like, censorship, like, it doesn't really exist in this country in the way that we... Th- imagine it too so you rarely see work challenging it anymore Mm. it's almost like we've all softened each other yeah it's it's definite like because we're not in north korea or china it's like all the censorship is just pretty much put on ourselves i know know? and it's which is interesting like going into making films that have queer sex in them Mm. it's interesting like without any parameters you put them on yourselves Mm, totally yeah yeah Anyway, I don't know if there's a question in there, but that's <laughs> it's so just much, interesting. Thank you so much, Sophie Hatch, for no, speaking with you. us. Yeah, we thank really you so much. <laughs> we hope we didn't put you too much on blast, but um, good luck with the film and with the screening and for the next screening as well. I've already messaged Sam because I'm putting them in touch with the, the programmer at Toronto. Because, okay, brag. Well, yeah, I mean, oh what can God. I say? Yeah. Because they take a lot from Australia. They love Australian queer films. Cool. Um, yeah. I'm, um, we'll cut that out. It was out, really but... nice to talk to you. And also, I hope that... This will come out probably before the screenings, but 
because they're like next week, mm. hopefully this is a place. I hope we've unpacked some things for some people who listen. We should release yeah. this straight away. I think ASAP stays. Yeah, like a, and all. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Thank you so yes. much for going to see these films, engaging with young Sydney artists, and uh, I'm really excited that we got in at the start of this journey. You know what I mean? Like, I can't mm. wait to check back in. When you make your next film, what's yeah. up next, actually? Ooh. Can I ask you that? That's uh, a boring question. It's not a boring question. I not a boring question. I don't think it's boring. Can you talk about Canberra? <laughs> no, but you've got your first two. You've got these two debut features out of the way. Yeah. And they're done. And uh, what can we expect now? Yeah, well, I mean, they're done in a... The films are done, Sense of the World, but... But they're uh, actually just beginning, there's right? There's just a, so much... It's a whole new journey now. So right. Sequin uh, is going to be in a couple more festivals this year, oh, which dear. I can't share yet. Oh, my God. But I should be able to share next week, can maybe. Can you say rhyming words? Um, no, Can but you tell us and we just will cut it out? <laughs> or can you not even tell us? Like, I don't off, know. Off One is in America. Okay. That's all I'll say. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't but, tell us because we'll say it on air on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious as well. Tell like us when a... you know, though, and we will say it on air. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So that the sequin journey, I think, is going to go for the rest of the year. So yeah. I'm not even going to think about um, starting anything else just yet because I want to keep my sanity and mental health intact. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then, you know, who knows what will come from this next chapter. God, okay, it's important. Cut. Okay, we're cutting, but it must it must be so important to choose people that you want to hang out with to go on these journeys with. Oh, yeah. Like, it must be like, thank God. Like, I'm not assuming that you and Samuel aren't friends, but like, just like, you want to be friends with yeah. Samuel. We weren't, you know I, mean? Well, I mean, we weren't friends going in. Like, we didn't really know each other. So yeah. it's like an absolute fluke that we actually get along really well professionally and personally because I, yeah. I cannot imagine. Like, we're talking every day all the time. Like, I'm the third person in his relationship for sure. What's Samuel doing today? Um, I don't know. Oh, damn it. I, I know. thought that would be he, a punchy answer. It's weird that I don't know. I had dinner <laughs> with him last night, so that's kind of the closest I'll get. <laughs> okay, cool. um, okay, Audrey, sorry. Let's wrap it up. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.